0: Welcome to the first in the series of our business and human rights podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about the changing landscape in this area and really give you the backdrop to the series that we've put together for you. Uh, My name is Rachel Barrett. I'm a partner in the ESG team. I'm joined today by Vanessa Herbert Williams and Julia Grothaus who are also partners in our ESG team and both have extensive experience in all things ESG and business and human rights.
1: Thanks very much Rachel. I'm very pleased to be here today. Um, I know that you and Vanessa have both advised clients on business and human rights matters for many years. Why is this such a hot topic at the moment?
0: So I think there's been a growing realization for several years now that human rights risks are are very real. Um, They're very real for those uh, impacted, but they're also very real for the, the companies and financiers who suffer the financial consequences of getting things wrong in this area and the price really can be very high we've seen people lose investors um, limit their ability to access finance suffer serious reputational damage um, and so on in recent years there's definitely been widespread business convergence around soft laws um, and they've been instrumental in showing us what good looks like, um, and they've given businesses a real framework within which to think about human rights issues um, and and seek to address them. There have also been requirements to report publicly, some of them legally binding, um, on business and human rights matters or social matters more generally, which have really got people thinking. Today, I think we're finding stakeholders are much, much more demanding um, in this area against the backdrop of the ESG megatrend. They're really demanding that businesses operate more responsible, that they're held to account for the adverse impacts that they cause. And in fact, the whole role of companies and society is being reexamined. So it's a really, really important area for businesses to be thinking about at the moment.
2: The the other thing that that I'd add to that, Rachel, is the COVID-19 pandemic has served to bring out the importance of social issues. I think much more and made them much more real and much more obvious to everybody. Uh, so, including investors, financial institutions, but 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 certainly corporates and the boards of corporates it it's really focused minds on health and safety on equitable treatment there's there's been a real differential between people who can work at home without being exposed to significant risk and people whose work can't be done at home and there's also been a whole piece around fairness of um taking the the the, the downside risk of uh, the pandemic, and and making sure that senior management is seen to be um, sharing in in some of the consequences of the pandemic, which has really reinforced that that social thread. Julia, the 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 thing I wanted to ask you about we've we've talked about the landscape. Where are we going in terms of the law, in terms of the legal initiatives that are in play? Thanks Vanessa.
1: So the legal landscape in this field is ever-changing. In the last decade, numerous pieces of legislation have been adopted that address business and human rights matters. At The national level, various countries have implemented or are currently working on business and human rights regulation such as the UK, Australia, Canada, France, the Netherlands and Switzerland. The various laws aim at identifying and preventing human rights violations generally or More specifically, regarding slavery, human trafficking or child labor. And they do this by either imposing reporting obligations or more recently by going a step further and requiring companies to take active steps to prevent human rights violations. And the EU has picked up this topic as well. In addition to several instruments requiring reporting. Rachel mentioned them before, such as the CSR directive and the rules adopted as part of the sustainable finance package. We have one piece of mandatory supply chain due diligence at the moment, which is the conflict minerals regulation. It was adopted in 2017 and will enter into force at the beginning of next year. That regulation imposes mandatory due diligence on private entities to protect human rights in conflict areas. So an instrument requiring companies to take action. However, the focus is limited. It only concerns importers of certain metals and minerals originating from conflict affected and high risk areas. Yet, the EU committed to introducing legislation in 2021 to make human rights due diligence in general mandatory for all EU companies. And to prepare that proposal, the EU Commission has launched a public consultation on sustainable governance and supply chain due diligence on 26 October 2020 that will run until the beginning of February next year. Now, when looking at these developments, I think it's fair to say that the trend is currently moving fast from reporting say what you do, to action, introducing mandatory due diligence. Now, who supports these initiatives? Well, while mandatory due diligence has had the support of campaign groups and politicians across Europe for some time, companies have tended to be more cautious in the past and are continuing to have criticism when they see these initiatives. One area of contention is the aspect of creating a level playing field. This aspect has been raised often in the context of national legislation, but it's of course also a topic for the planned EU legislation. Will the new laws create a level playing field with companies outside the European jurisdiction? There are also worries about how small and medium enterprises and micro enterprises would manage to comply with due diligence requirements, given the obvious costs involved. So, however, what we're recently seeing are more and more corporate players signaling their belief that the measures are required. For example, in late September, large corporates have signed a letter offering their support for mandatory human rights and supply chain due diligence. And these companies say that the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated the vulnerabilities in supply chains. In their view, and as already mentioned by you Vanessa, mandatory human rights and environmental due diligence is key to ensure that efforts by companies that respect people and the planet are not undercut by the lack of a uniform standard of conduct. So it will be really interesting to see how that discussion continues over the course of the consultation.
0: That's really interesting. Against that backdrop, we thought it would be helpful to explore the topic of business and human rights in a bit more detail for our listeners. And you'll be hearing from lawyers across a range of different practice areas and from across our global network, um, sharing their insights on this topic. So, for example, We will be covering practical aspects of human rights due diligence um, and how you can undertake that when you're engaged in a merger and acquisition. For example, Uh, we will be talking about remedy and what we mean by that. Uh, We'll be running through the existing regimes um, in this area so that people have a bit more background on those and how they operate and what might be coming in 2021. So we hope you enjoy it and uh, we also have lots of uh, existing resources online on our business and human rights webpage page and ESG hub. Please do visit and if you need any further information or would like to chat to one of the team, do reach out to one of us.